Good morning, ladies. First, I want to thank so many of you who have been praying for me over the last past months and weeks. Um, I also want to thank my niece, who is a Bible scholar and teacher, for her help early on in helping me get some of my thoughts organized. So we have now come to chapter 31, the end of 1 Samuel. I really must agree with Pam, whom you heard from a couple weeks ago, that this study of 1 Samuel has just been so helpful and so great. And I am so excited that we will be continuing next year with 2 Samuel. We have seen God's plan for leadership in Israel by first with Eli, the priest, and then Samuel, the judge, and ultimately by establishing the kingdom of David not of Saul, although he was God's choice for the first king. First Samuel begins with Elkanah and Hannah going to the temple for their yearly sacrifice. And Hannah was found there um, praying to God for a son, vowing to give him back to God. God answered Hannah's prayer. We then saw that Hannah kept her promise and took Samuel to the temple to live with Eli a few years later. In chapter 2, we saw Hannah's prayer of thankfulness to God. Her prayer begins with, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. Throughout the book, we have seen God's kingship, God's providential guidance, and God's sovereign will and power. The overarching theme has been and continues to be for us today, obedience to God is of utmost importance. We saw a couple weeks ago in chapter 30 that the Amalekites had reached Ziklag. And burn the city and take it all who were in the city as captives, including all the women and the children. We also saw that no one was killed, which was most unusual. We saw then that David, when he returned, went and rescued all the people, including his wives and all that had been taken from them. We now come to chapter 31. And the Philistines have been fighting Israel. And the men of Israel have fled, and many have been killed, including Saul's sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, Malchashua. This chapter takes place soon after Saul's meeting with Samuel through the medium that took place in chapter 28. Samuel, as Samuel had predicted, The Philistines had defeated Israel. The Philistines had wanted to bring an end to Saul's kingdom. They had killed his sons and the archers had wounded Saul. Saul knew his death was imminent and was also aware of the mutilation that would happen if he was killed by the Philistines. If we stop here for a minute, 
we can see this situation as a real tragedy. Jonathan had remained a true friend to David, the eldest son of Saul, who gave up his right to his kingship, had followed his father into battle. He, along with his brothers, have been killed. We need to remember that Jonathan was right where God wanted him to be. How do we look at tragic situations in our own life? While grief is normal and is an emotion given to us by God, do we see it through the lens of God's ultimate plan or through the lens of our short life? If I'm honest with myself, I can often let grief overtake me and forget that God is still in control. The verbs used in the first several verses describe disaster. To flee, used three times. Fall or fallen, four times. Strike down, wounded, pierced through, two times. Die, four times. Strip, cut off, and nail. Although this is a very dark time for Israel, it is not outside of God's purpose. Saul had rejected God's plan for his life and had pulled others into his decisions as well. We see in verses two and three that the Philistines had overtaken Saul and his three sons. After being wounded by the archers, Saul decides to take his death into his own hands. He first asks his armor bearer to kill him with his sword. The armor bearer refuses, most likely fearing for his own life if he took the life of the king. Saul then takes matters into his own hands and falls on his sword and dies. Then his armor bearer takes his own life as well. God had called Saul to be the first king of Israel, but he just kept trying to do things his own way rather than follow God's plan. Saul had rejected God's plan for his life and had pulled others into his decisions. The first theme I want to share is when we don't follow God's plan for our lives, we not only hurt ourselves, but draw others into our sin and hurt them as well. God had called Saul to be the first king of Israel. But as I said, he just kept trying to do things his own way rather than follow God's plan. I'm sure we can all remember a time or times when we either just forgot to ask God for wisdom in a situation and then went ahead and made the decision on our own. We all make decisions every day without seeking God first. God has used this study to impress on me the importance of seeking God early, early in the day, committing all decisions, large and small, to him. Paul Ralph, excuse me, Paul Ralph Davis shares an example of what it might look like to live a life wanting to bring honor to God in all we do. Esther Edwards Burr, the daughter of Jonathan Edwards, lost her husband Aaron at the age of 41. In her grief and mourning, she stated, I would rather die this moment than to be left to bring dishonor on God's holy name. 
Excuse me. After we see Saul's death, we see the men of Israel flee their towns and the Philistines take over. God had called Saul to be the first king. However, he was always trying to remake his own definition of what a king should be and not what God told him to be. The second thing we see is that we need to listen to God and see who he wants us to be. We need to all be asking ourselves, who has God called me to be? We have so many voices in our world today telling us who we should be or who we should look like. Do we strive to be the perfect woman we see on Facebook, Twitter, or other social media? Do we strive to be the perfect woman we, I'm sorry, maybe it is in judging ourselves against someone else at church. I know I can struggle with feeling like I don't measure up. It may be just wishing I had a better singing voice, or maybe I'm just not as spiritual as my good friend. More recently, I have felt, can I really teach a Bible lesson? For those of you with young children, do you feel like a failure because of how other mothers portray their children on Facebook? Whatever the struggle you face, we all need to ask ourselves, where do I find my worth? We sometimes worry so much about all the above issues that we forget why God created us in the first place. Question one in the Westminster Catechism asks, What is man, and I added, or woman's, chief end or goal in life? The answer given is man's chief end or goal is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 1 Corinthians 10.31 states, Whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do all to the glory of God. Psalm 73.25 Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My heart and my flesh, they fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forevermore. Oh, that we could remember this every day when we wake up and ask God what he wants of us today. When we don't follow God's plan for our lives, the things we base our pride and worth on will be shown either in this life or in eternity to have only been or always been either empty, never yours to claim, and only God's victories. While all of Israel knew it was David who killed Goliath, Saul was able to reap the benefits of being the king of the people who overcame the Philistines. However, in his death, he was treated the same as Goliath. His armor was stripped. His head was chopped off, just like the giant that God had defeated in the past. Saul had refused to ever admit, as David did, that the battle belonged to the Lord. 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 and 47 uh, state, Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear, 
But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. The Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistines discovered Saul's body, they cut off his head and stripped his armor as their prizes of war. Although Saul didn't live to see it, the Philistines were able to celebrate his death by dedicating his armor to the temple of Ashtaroth, just as Goliath's sword was kept in Israel's sanctuary. The Philistines had won and hung the decapitated body of Saul on the wall of Beth Shan. In verses 11 to 13, the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard about the Philistines' abuse of Saul's body and made the approximately 10-mile trek each way to rescue his body. The people had remembered when Saul had come to their rescue early in his kingship. This was a debt of gratitude repaid. They removed his body, burned it, and then buried the bones under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh Gilead, which was a place of importance as well as a sacred site. We will see later in 2 Samuel that David moves the remains of Saul and his sons to the family tomb. Joyce Baldwin shares that although there are differing opinions on whether Saul's brooding nature was a result of his own doing or not, his jealousy and refusal to accept the rejection of himself and his dynasty was a result of his own doing. He was responsible for his stubborn refusal to admit he was wrong or to humble himself in repentance. As I was studying this chapter, the Lord encouraged me to include the first part of 2 Samuel chapter 1, where David finds out about the death of Saul. My apologies to whomever teaches on the first chapter uh, next fall as we begin our study of 2 Samuel. We see in the beginning of this chapter that David had been fighting the Amalekites. And after killing them, he returns back to Ziklag. On the third day back, a stranger comes to David and falls on his face and states he has escaped from Saul's camp and wants to pay homage to him. David then asks him how the battle went. He then relays that many had died and that Saul and his sons had all died. David then asks him, how do you know this? And he replies, verses 6 to 10, which I will read. And the young man said, by chance, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear. And behold, the chariots and the horsemen were close upon him. And when he looked behind himself, he saw me, and he called to me, and I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me, stand beside me and kill me. For anguish has seized me, and yet my life still lingers. 
So I stood beside him and killed him because I was sure he could not live after he had fallen. And so then I took his crown that was on his head and the armlet or bracelet that was on his arm. And I have brought them here to you, my Lord. David's response was one of sadness and mourning. And he tore, he tore his clothes. Then David asked him, how is it you were not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed? Then David asked one of his men to take this man and execute him. David's response to the man was, your blood be on your head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. David seemed to believe this man, although most commentators believe that the account in chapter 31 is correct, and that this man was most likely seeking a reward from David, since he would soon be king. While I'm not going to include all of David's lament today, which is the second half of this chapter, I do want to share one verse that expresses the depth of David's love for Jonathan. Verse 26 states, Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother, Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. As we have watched the lives of Saul and David unfold, I also want to share how God has used this study of 1 Samuel to impress on me the importance of following God's plan for my life. Almost 50 years ago, I decided what I wanted out of life and I pursued it. Not that what I pursued was necessarily wrong. However, I did not listen to what God had shown me and what he wanted for me at that time. I made my own decision out of fear that I would miss out on what I so desperately wanted in life. I convinced myself that I was doing what was best. God, in his gracious mercy, gave me the desires of my heart. However, along the way, I paid a very high price. Thankfully, God has redeemed those decisions. And I can say today that I am where God wants me to be. And for that, I am eternally grateful to my Savior. In closing, I want to share a summary of the book of Samuel from Tim Chester. The promises given to David and the promises implicitly embodied in his life point both to Jesus the Christ and all who are in Christ. We all reign as little C Christ in Christ as we extend his reign through the proclamation of the gospel. The history of God's people and the world from the first Adam to the return of the second Adam, who is Christ, is told in this story of two kings, one who disobeyed God and the other pointing us to the most wise king of God's people, 
Jesus of Nazareth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for um, each person who is here listening. Father, I just pray that you would touch each person's heart. Lord, that we might all seek you um, each day, looking for what you have for us and who you want us to be. And Father, now I pray that you will be with each group um, as they discuss this passage, Lord, and just ask that you would um, show yourself to each person, each person listening and present. Father, I thank you and thank you for all of these things. And I pray this in your precious name. Amen.